we are the first black-owned, woman-owned, nonprofit scholarship foundation that serves Philadelphia. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. Hey, it's Brooke. And Danielle. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. Our goal is to share the stories of 500 Black educators. We will celebrate the impact and achievements, speak truth to power, and highlight the important roles that educators play in all of our lives. We're excited to welcome today's guest to our show. As a do now, please tell us your name, your role in education, and answer the question, why do Black educators matter? Hi, everyone. I am Khadijah Butler. I am not a traditional educator. However, I am a nonprofit scholarship founder and president of the Craig D. Butler Scholarship Foundation, named in honor of my father, established, we're going on our third year next month. And Black Educators Matter for me, it's Knowing, number one, that Black Educators Matter have more than one role. I have such an affinity now for teachers, school staff, knowing that there's more than just educating. It's nurturing. It's discipline. It's seeing a person that looks like you, affirming your potential. And that only happens with a Black educator to a Black youth. And so I can go on and on, but I'm, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> okay, you want to give us a little bit more, like, where are you from? Do you remember your K-8 experience? I am from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's interesting. My K-8 experience was a little, so it was interrupted. So from K to fifth grade, I actually went to Andrew Hamilton High School, the same high school that Abbott Elementary that they discuss. It's funny, I posted her and I tagged her and she's like, she responded. So from the fifth to the eighth grade, my parents had divorced at this point and I actually went away to a like military boarding school. So from the fifth grade to the 12th, I was at a school called Scotland School for Veterans Children. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> Were there any black educators in your, let's just say K through 12. So before you went to the military school, did you have any black educators in there at the military school? Did you have any? So I only had one and I can't remember as like vaguely, I can only remember her like from the first grade, but definitely an educator that I had in the 10th grade. So it was a predominantly white school as far as the teachers are concerned, but all of the actual students there were from Philadelphia, or most of them, and were African American. And the one teacher that we had, who my mentor today, he was our English teacher. He was interning at a nearby college, Shippensburg University. So only two my entire education was, unfortunately. Wow. So where did you go to college and did your school choice influence college for you? So I actually went to a 
on a partial scholarship originally to California University of Pennsylvania. It's not too far from IUP. Then I got homesick and I transferred and went to Temple. I only had, and I don't know if it had to do with at that time, so my undergraduate degree is in kinesiology, and at that time, it was not something that we were doing at all. I mean, it was students, it was athletes that were there, that was it, but not a lot of us at that point, and even at the very first college, one of very few. I can only remember one educator, I think it was an African American studies class, like an elective, but... No, and it's interesting. My sister and I both went to Temple for undergrad, and we talk about this all the time. Like, dang, we kind of, like, regret not having that HBCU experience. But I think at that time, it wasn't promoted and it wasn't encouraged like it is now. So, you know, things happen the way that they happen. I feel the same, but Brooke blesses me. I get a little bit of the HBCU (laughs) overflow when Brooke pours into my life. so we can learn more about the Craig D. Butler Scholarship Foundation and what led you to create it. So before we get there, the question that I will have for you is, as an outsider, so you are not a traditional K-12 through or even university-level professor or educator, but you have a scholarship foundation, so now you are around the space. Yep. What is the state of education in Black America, and how did we get here? <laughs> So I think, and this is part of outside memorializing my father, I think the one thing I recognized was that there was such an education gap, and not just an education gap, but if you're kind of saying to yourself, what's the elements behind it, and it's it's me doing the research ahead of time before we started the foundation, 
And it was interesting. I found a statistic. I talk about this in the book as well, how we as African-Americans, specifically in Philly as well, we are only awarded 14% of degrees as opposed to 57% of white students. So they are graduating at four times the rate at Penn, at Temple, at all these places. And I'm like, what is the reason why? And so that pushes me now to kind of say, there's a reason behind why this is happening. And I'm learning throughout these three years of me starting the foundation where narrowing that gap, like there's more to it, there's layers to that. And so with me starting that foundation, again, it's honoring my father, but it's also just redirecting the youth to say, if you have the same resources that other students, white students, unfortunately, how well will you be able to compete if it's just about intelligence, if it's just about you getting those same resources? And so I just kept pushing on. I'm one of these people, like I'm very, when something doesn't make sense and I'm trying to figure it out, I'm probably not going to stop because of that. So I think just my love for education and the pain point of my father's murder just kind of merged into one. If you want to tell us the story, can you tell us about the Craig D. Butler Scholarship Foundation and the origin of that? Yes. So the Craig D. Butler Scholarship Foundation, it was established in January of 2020 on his birthday. We established the foundation to, again, redirect the use focused on education instead of gun violence, because in Philly, that's all you see. My father was murdered by a 14-year-old when I was 19 years old. And so we were at the 20th year at this point after his passing. And so we just really wanted to not just honor his memory, but just honor like what he stood for and push that back into the youth. And so to date, we have awarded five scholarships. I'm hoping more as they kind of come along. And there's so many initiatives that we're starting because of the things we're hearing from the community, how we're hearing about the need and the impact that it's having that I don't I don't realize because I'm just out here just not understanding, as I said to you guys before, I have such an affinity for educators at this point because I hadn't realized before, like, yeah, there's a need there and I can do something about that. This is just one of the many stories, and we hope to keep the conversation going. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at BEM Chicago. Follow us on Instagram at blackeducators.matter and visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.org. And now, back to the conversation. In your op-ed, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> You wrote about the cradle to prison pipeline and you really introduced us to what it is like to live in Philly. So for those who do not know what the educational experience is like for young black children growing up in Philly, please give us a glimpse. It's interesting because there's you have some that are just victims of their circumstances. 
you have some that are first-generation college students that unfortunately just live in an underserved population that want the experience, but they don't know the actual tools. And then you have some that are actual pursuers. They're actually like, I want to be able to, you know, have a chance at something. And so it's really, you're either going to have the opportunity where you're going to be unfortunately like the boy, I would say at that time who murdered my father, you're either going to be him. You're going to be someone who's trying, but maybe just wasn't given the opportunity or you're going to have someone where you're going to soar. And so that's the thing. In Philadelphia, we're constantly hearing that there's bad things in Philly, right? But I've seen that that's not true. It's just what the narrative of what the media portrays, unfortunately. And like I said, I, I'm i going to make sure that that paradigm shift just doesn't happen anymore and that, you know, I create the narrative that Black excellence does exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. And I know, you know, the work that you're doing now, unfortunately, it, you know, it's rooted in a place of hurt, but, you know, yeah. Luckily, you know, you've been able to change it into something extremely positive. And you talked about the narrative, like, you know, we're both from Chicago or we both reside here anyway. So we know what it means to have that negativity placed on your city when it's so many great things happening. That kind of leads to the next question. The definition of jubilation is a feeling of great happiness and triumph. Tell us about a time that you witnessed Black jubilation within your organization. Mm. So it it was actually our very first year at a virtual award ceremony. So I really also try to have a personal touch with our scholars. Once they apply, I'll reach out to the principals, the guidance counselors, and say, hey, so-and-so apply, he or she is a finalist, can I meet up with you to present the award? And in this case, COVID was just kind of like ending, and it's a school called Carver Engineering and Science. They allowed me to present the award, but in staying on the award ceremony for 30 minutes, there were 10 Black students who won full academic engineering scholarships. Once again, something you don't see and it's like this is how i know what i'm doing is impactful like we don't see it like i'm not even understanding why this isn't on the news like why do i have to constantly see oh my god a pregnant woman just got shot last night why do i have to see that like why can't i see this is something that's like really happening because you're not you're thinking black students that want to be engineers yes but they exist like so you know to have that feeling it's like it's not just a jubilation but it's also like one of those moments that continues to push you forward so I love it I love it because you were able to find some joy in all of that trauma just yeah it's so many different ways that we can explore this but I just really appreciate that you found a way to pour into the community how can people learn more about the scholarship foundation and connect with you so we do have a website. We do have, it's www.craigdbutlerscholarship.com. We are on all social media platforms. We are under CDB Scholarship, definitely through the book now, but we also try to, especially this year in particular, we've been trying to really connect with 
a lot of the schools now have really been embracing opening up and us doing events. So at local events as well, we're trying to make sure that we make the effort to come to every single one of those. So who is the ideal type of scholar for this scholarship? Who should so who the, can apply? <clears throat> the ideal scholar, and one thing I always try to make sure I state when I'm talking or speaking about it is we as a family want to make sure that there's a representation of my father as far as his integrity, as far as his morals, being family oriented, being giving. And so, yes, we have the what's on paper of you have to be eligible as far as a 3.0 GPA and your transcripts and recommendations. But the one thing that we talk about is when I read myself as well as the committee and my family, when we read your letters and your essays, what is it about you that really jumps out to kind of say, I want to send this person to college? And it, even w- whether it's not a lot of money or not, I'm going to pour into you. Because at this point, all five of them, they're my babies at this point. Like, it's like, I'm going to pour into them. So it's not just going to be, hey, uh, um, I'm writing because I need the money. Right. We know you need the money, but it's like, are you a representation of I'm going to I'm going to do whatever I can to propel you if you need anything afterwards. Like that's the person that we're we're looking for. (laughs) I know of scholarship foundations. I Mm -hmm. don't know of many scholarship foundations started by black people. Do you know many scholarship foundations started by black people? Do you have peers that you're connected with or mentors? No. So I will say, you will say my humility sometimes comes out, but I will say we are the first black owned woman owned nonprofit scholarship foundation um, that serves Philadelphia that because we're not an endowment. We're not a trust. We're not a celebrity. We're not these different people. And that's actually part of the reason why I wrote the book because I'm like who do I ask like it's like there isn't nobody nobody existed now I do know of African-American individuals who have like like if they partner with scholarship organizations and they either do like a GoFundMe kind of scholarship or they partner with like a bold or something like that but they're not organizing it they're not running it they're not choosing the candidates like they're not in their like toes down, like digging deep the way that we are. And so that's another reason why it's like, no, I'm going to write a book as well. Like, so people can learn how to do it themselves. Tell us about the book. Oh man. So the book, and I have to actually get you ladies addresses so I can make sure I send something out. (laughs) Definitely have to send one. The book, it's laying the foundation brick by brick outside of teaching you how to start your own scholarship foundation honestly and I I, I fought my publisher the entire time it really was a cathartic healing tool for me like going through that and and Danielle I think I read somewhere that you lost your father I'm I'm sorry and so it was a really healing tool to kind of say I knew that it was going to be someone else's survival as well I knew that there was someone else in an underserved population who made it, who's giving, that was in the same position. So I'm always a pay it forward, give it back. And especially if it benefits our community and it's started by our community. So that in a nutshell is 
what it's about. I love it. 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 I love that. Because losing a dad, losing a parent is not fun. Losing a dad can be very, very hard. But how you keep their memory alive and how you keep moving through the grief, because that's the part. Like, how do you move through that pain? And you, you moved through the pain by pouring back into the community, the same community that somebody from this age group is what hurt your dad yep. to pour that type of love to be like, this should have never happened. And I don't want it to happen again to anybody is mm. really incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really, you know, I think I'm still kind of dealing with it. I think when I go to the community events, especially, Oh, I just went to this like gun violence event and it was these three fathers. Oh I man. Anytime you see a father and they're crying, they're just talking about like losing their kids you really understand, like, I mean, A, living in any inner city, it's, it's traumatic. Like, this is what, you know, therapists will tell you, like, just living in an inner city and then dealing with the trauma of these are people around you that are normalizing, like, this level of gun violence. And so, you know, I know a big part of my healing process is to kind of say, like, instead of me sitting in it, because that can be dangerous too. Like, people sit in this, like, what do I do now? Like, that's not going to change. It's not going to bring them back at this point. And so, you know, if my story resonates with someone and it transforms them as well, I mean, I must be doing something right, you know. It does. And I'm sure you've reached a bunch of people at this point and you guys have only been in existence since January 2020. Kind of yeah. like somebody else we know. <laughs> So, you know, the fact that we have so many similarities, I yes. want to know, yes. how has COVID impacted you all? Oh. We started out, all of our friends, like, are phenomenal in the education realm. Like, yeah. you wouldn't even believe. I mean, like, change makers for real. Mm-hmm. So, the original idea was to kind of, like, give them their flowers, like, throw conferences, mm-hmm. have happy hours, all of that stuff, and then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my co-founder was like, yo, we have to find a way to continue to do this work. So mm-hmm. how did you all, I know how we pivoted, mm-hmm. but, you know, how did you all pivot? Oh, yeah. Well, that's one thing I talk about in the book. That's one thing I also talk about when people interview us. So we started January 2020. Remember, March was like the shutdown. So I'm all excited, you know, like February, I'm like, hey, like, I'm going to send out postcards and reach out to the staff and all that. We were getting things sent back and like, they're, cause they're not in school. Like they shut everything down. Everything was virtual. So that part was really challenging, but I think it really made me, me as well as my family really just kind of say like, that's when social media like really sort of came into play. We started hearing from a lot of like guidance counselors that way. I'm even seeing now on TikTok, like there's a lot of students and and guidance counselors as well. They promote a lot of things now. Like, so between social media and then especially with the fundraising, like we really, we did a, like it was a silent auction. So we had to really like think outside the box at that point. And I feel like that's the reason why last year and this year as well, things are starting to pick up steam because at one point they weren't like, closing it was just like we just have to do whatever we can to try to keep people engaged 
But I feel like that's the year when we received the most applicants. Like last year we didn't receive as many. So I don't know, like, was that a negative as far as the number of scholars we reached? But is it a positive because now we have a, a bigger reach from in the community? I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's like a gift and a curse, but yeah. Thank you for coming on the show, sharing your story, sharing your wisdom, brick by brick. Come on, the power <laughs> of the pivot, moving through grief to give back. I mean, all of it. Like, that is the, the joy and the power, I think, that we as Black people in this country, and I mean, I guess on this earth, have is how we figure out ways to move through and still give back and still try to create a better future in spite of whatever we have been through. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing the memory of your father with the world, because as long as there are students applying for this scholarship, as long as you are here, then your dad is still here. His spirit is still here. Um, are there any black educators that you would like to thank? I know you only had two. I know you only had two. But as you've been building out your scholarship foundation, yes. any peers, any mentors, any black educators that you would like to thank? Yes, I would like to thank Dr. Khalid Mumin. He was my first English teacher. He is now my mentor. He mentored me through the scholarship as well as the book. He is also one of the first black superintendents at Lower Marion High School. Like it's a, yeah, it is a, it's in the outskirts of Philadelphia. So I just want to thank him. I don't know if he'll hear it, but I appreciate seeing him and being affirmed to move forward. Well, (laughs) thank you again. Thank you for creating this scholarship foundation for black students and everything that you have done to pour into this community, um, it was, it is, and it always will be worth it. So thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Thank I appreciate you, it. Thank you, Brooke. Enjoy your ladies' holiday. You too. <laughs> Hope to be talking to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Black Educators Matter. Remember, make excellence equitable and thank a Black teacher today.